You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. America's Web Radio. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and in studio with me today, I have one of our favorite guests, Alice Wellens, who's a licensed clinical social worker who has a private practice here in Atlanta. And please be aware, we're going to give contact information for her as we go along today. So get your paper and pencil or your pen and paper, whatever you prefer, and uh, we'll give you that information. I also have with me David Donaldson, who is the CEO of the Atlanta Healing Center. So welcome. Thank you for having me back. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this this topic today and hearing about Alice's journeys into, um, into her spiritual voyage to Vietnam. The depths of Vietnam. <laughs> So we've been waiting um, for Alice to come back from this journey so that we could not only hear about her adventures, but also learn about how she's integrating this new, I don't know that it's necessarily new, but enhanced insights into mindfulness, meditation, yoga, other practices that I think so many of us need, not just our patients with the disease of addiction. So... All right. Jump right in there, my dear. Tell us about the adventure. Well, I think that's a great start to set it up um, in the framework of how does all this fit into addiction, recovery, and the practice of psychotherapy and working in the mental health field. So to kind of speak semi-quickly to that, um, I was thinking about this last night, and of course it's something I always am thinking about in my own in my own journey of um, spirituality and meditation and yoga and I think the main piece is when we're sitting with clients who are struggling with anything but particularly clients who have addiction issues one of the main things that you hear over and over again is this feeling that they're disconnected um, from themselves from their lives, from their professional life, um, from loved ones, from the feelings of love. Um, shame, sort of that core feature of addiction, just erodes that feeling of connection. And it leaves people who struggle with addiction feeling isolated and alone. And it leaves the family members feeling isolated and alone. I always like to say it's a divide divide and conquer disease. It likes to divide and conquer everybody and have them in their own separate corners feeling frustrated and lost and sad. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that really is an antidote for that is, first, of course, a medical recovery and then a physical recovery, and then an emotional recovery, and then a spiritual recovery. And you'll hear people who have long-term recovery talk about that when they reflect back. So when you work in psychotherapy in private practice past the treatment center, hopefully, (laughs) yes. but sometimes you're working on it before they get in, Um, but you get to be with people who are on that journey. Mm Mm-hmm. And talking about their spiritual recovery is a really important part of, of, of their recovery and of what their therapy becomes. So 
some therapists, that's not what they want to do. They don't want to deal with addiction at all, um, or they might not want to deal with spirituality, or they might not be uncomfortable with it. But if you're going to work in addiction, you really need to be open to be talking about spirituality. And that just creates this place of journeying. You know, If you're open to that already, then you're going to have your own journey that's mm-hmm. happening. So that's that's kind of how part of all of that works, along with attachment and, and presence, um, really being present to yourself and to your process. So I think that's a short answer of how all of that sort of ties together for me. I really love how that corresponds very nicely with the American Society of Addiction Medicine's definition of addiction, which is a biopsychosocial spiritual mm-hmm. disease. Yeah. And that, again, paying attention to only one of those elements, while it may be helpful and may get the person to a certain level of recovery or health, in order for them to really have the full benefit and to really see long-term recovery, they need to get to that fourth component, which is the spirituality. For some, that's not too hard, mm-hmm. but for many of our patients, that is a real struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if they are angry or resentful or still mm-hmm. bitter and or really still shameful. And shame is a very dark, corrosive um, force, and so it can take a long, long time, sometimes a lifetime, to keep working with that shame. Um, and so it can be two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back, but but always forward. So that's kind of the main thing. The other thing that I like to work with in this is um, the word presence. So for somebody to get into recovery, one of the things, the dimensions they have to really start working with is tolerating what feels intolerable. And part of that is learning to sit with. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways you can do that is to just honor the process and learn to sit with those feelings and, a, and sort of the superpower way to help that happen is just through loving presence with yourself and with others. Um, and so these journeys of spirituality and meditation and yoga, at their core, is really this sense of metta, which is um, a real loving kindness towards yourself, um, towards really sitting with yourself no matter what arises and when you're literally in meditation in the in the physical posture it's just sitting with all the thoughts 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day letting them come and go you know and developing the muscle for just tolerating what comes and goes without reacting or creating a story or creating shame around it so as a therapist when you have all this suffering and pain and story in your office and in front of you, you know, our first inclination is to want to fix it. Right. <laughs> um, make it go away. And it's that paradoxical component that I really find so fascinating is the, the less answers we have, the more space there is for healing. And that's what these spiritual journeys for me are about 
as a as a psychotherapist is sitting in the room with no answers and that that's where the healing really happens so it's kind of kind of cool I mean, there are some answers to some things, like Obviously. go to a meeting, work your steps. Call your sponsor. <laughs> Call, Call your sponsor. sponsor. Don't do drugs or alcohol yeah. or addictive behaviors. Don't use and anything is possible. Call Dr. Susan Blank. <laughs> um, feel your feelings. Feel your feelings. Don't medicate your feelings. Yeah, exactly. Because that is um, the tendency and the major struggle that people have when they have the disease of addiction or when they have any other kind of problem Mm -hmm. is I don't want to feel like this. Mm -hmm. I don't like the way I'm feeling or I want to feel differently or I really like how I'm feeling and I would like that to be bigger and better. And the tendency for people with addiction is to add a chemical or a behavior that immediately changes those feelings rather than the process that you're speaking to, which is things change as you let them, as they happen, not by a chemical means of doing it. And and, uh, observe your process with loving presence. Mm -hmm. Well, and I I really like the way you talk about it in terms of this journey, um, because Frequently at the Atlanta Healing Center in, in our processing, we'll talk about the, the um, journey of acceptance, of recognizing that they need help and recognizing that they can accept um, a level of trust with us and they can, can follow some of our suggestions and things. And so each step of that is really their own journey um, in opening up with us and their own journey of getting comfortable going inward. Um, and this process for you has been taking that that idea of a journey and literally turning it into a, a spiritual journey um, that includes a 16 hour flight to Seoul <laughs> and a 4 hour flight from there to Hanoi with an 11 hour time change over the Arctic Circle. The journey itself was just radical I mean it was it was really a mirror of these deep journeys the because you journey. have to sit with yeah. it no matter <laughs> you're get, you're on that plane and you're, you're on not the getting plane off and you can't get off <laughs> and you're going to have to just breathe <laughs> that's right and and that was you know i mean we're kind of laughing about that but that was really one element of the journey is giving into the journey um the second element which i'll talk about really quick was vietnam itself and the main ingredient there was the heat vietnam is incredibly hot and that was I got that feedback from everybody I talked to oh you're going to Vietnam it's hot and I thought I'm you know I'm from the south I'm, how hot can it how be how hot can it be I know hot I know humidity no 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 we are talking about a whole other thing and when you talk about mindfulness and meditation one of the things that you talk about are using your sen- other sensory experiences letting them tune in as a way to get out of thought and one of those, of course, are, you know, feel the temperature, feel the air on your face. And so Vietnam is, is a minute-to-minute, second-to-second practice of being with what is and what happens when you try to fight that because you are assaulted with the heat, really, 24-7. Um, you are wet the entire time. You 
you there's only so much you can do in that heat you mm-hmm. can and you can see the people around you they've learned to live with it you see the dogs you know they're laying on the street you cannot they you can't do anything about it it's like being in a rushing water you can't fight nature so even just the climate was really one of the first aside from the journey itself then the the temperature was this real experience of being with what is and and finding a way to be with it um, and it because it was unrelenting. It was like some. It was like nothing I have ever experienced in my life. Very, very <laughs> intense. Very intense. intense. To show you how intense it was, I had a little crack in my iPhone, and after seventy-two hours, the humidity had gotten in it and killed it. That my phone was dead for the rest of the trip. So there was enough air in the or water, water in, in the, the air. air to get in my phone and kill it, and so. That was this other letting go then, like, okay. <laughs> now I'm really now, I, now I'm not only am I on a mindful retreat where I was going to blog and post all these cool Instagram photos, you know, it, that was over. And I was literally on the wind. Um, and that, you know, another layer of the journey began from there. Of really disconnecting from. That is interesting because when you started the journey, you you oh, started the with blog. Uh, this blog, and it was you know th- I was really excited to read that first blog, and you talked about the the preparing for this journey, um, and then it stopped, <laughs> <laughs> and my thought, okay, well now she's really gotten into it, and it's gotten really busy, and of course she's not going to be blogging right at this moment, but you actually had been cut off from that connection to um, Georgia, exactly. So we're going to cut off for a minute and take a bit of a break. Um, When we come back, though, we're going to hear more about this journey and lessons learned. So please stay tuned. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. 
The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today, as promised, uh, we have one of our favorite guests, Alice Wellens, who's in LCSW. If you'd like to learn more about her practice and her um, her work, you can go to her website, which is www.alyce.com. Wellens, spelled W-E-L-L-O-N-S. That's alicewellens.com. Or you can reach her by phone at area code 404-664-3110. Again, that's 404-664-3110. So thank you for being with us today. And we um, have started on the journey to Vietnam. <laughs> so what kind of group was going and... And this happened in the summer of 2017, correct? I just got back a few weeks ago. So I left at the end of August and came back in mid-September. And that was kind of interesting. I left sort of in the heat of summer and came back in the early tinges of fall. So that was that was sort of fun. Um, so the group itself was also an important and meaningful part. Um, I went with a travel organization called Pravasa, P-R-A-V-A-S-S-A, and the founder and owner is Lyndon Schaefer, and she herself curates and cultivates these trips, and her travel company is based on wellness travel, and so um, good food, um, you know, breathing, self-care, all of those things are important parts of her trips. And also small groups. There were 13 of us total. She was on the trip with us. And we traveled in small vans. We um, stayed in local little boutique hotels. Um, We did these very kind of unique experiences. So it's very much really trying to be part of where you are. One of the things that we did towards the end is she had been to a village. um, We were in northern Vietnam, so Hanoi and north. And she had been to a village in Ma Chau and met a young 17-year-old boy who was wanted to study to be a tour guide in Hanoi but needed to learn English. So we all brought books to help him build a library so he could learn to study English. And we met him, and we met his family, and we had lunch with them. So it was very much um, trying to be understand and be a part of the culture that you're in and having a lot of respect for that. Um, the trip 
had a therapist on the trip who was a mindfulness based psychotherapist who had a lot of yoga training Lena Franklin who was on the show last yes. year and Lena let, Lena's mother was from Vietnam and so Lena's and Lena's mother's dream had been to take people to experience her country and she was never able to do that and so Lena and Lyndon had worked together for a year to put this trip together to take people to really experience Vietnam and also have a mindfulness and yoga experience so every morning Lena would lead us in uh, meditation and um, sort of history and Dharma Buddhist talks about the country and the teachings of Buddhism. So it was really nice to have all of those connections on the trip. There were a group of 13 of us, and everybody on the group was there because they were drawn to a type of experience like that. So there was a, it was a like-minded group. I called home, and <laughs> I told my wife, um, I said, the group is really amazing. Everybody's just so nice and normal. You know, there's not that one person. And she said, maybe you're the one person. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Could be. I doubt it. I I know you fairly well. I doubt that it was you. But, uh, but it was a good laugh, which is she's she's always good for to make something funny. Um, so the group itself was we journeyed. You know, we weren't we didn't just go on a trip and hop out of a bus and hit every museum and church. Although those are really wonderful trips too. But we were journeying. Um, we went to. Um, they call temples pagodas. So we went to pagodas and we meditated and we hiked and we biked and we stayed in four different places around northern Vietnam. So it was very much a, a meaningful trip, as much or as little as you wanted to make of that within mm-hmm. your own practice. So you start out having having to pay attention to yourself sitting on an airplane for <laughs> hours and hours and hours. Twenty. Um, a time zone change, which really can mess with you emotionally, physically, mentally, in every way. It's 11 hours ahead. Ahead. Um, you step off the airplane. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been to Vietnam, but I've been to Malaysia and I've been to Thailand. So I kind of mm-hmm. know that hot, wet blanket feeling that happens when you first meet the air in, um, in those kinds of climates, mm-hmm. very humid, very hot, everywhere, 24-7. It is intense. Mm-hmm. Then you get caught off, cut yep. off from civilization as you know it, um, your connections, because your phone gets wounded by the um, vast humidity, and now suddenly... That part of your journey has changed. And then I'm as happy and free as I can be, truly. After all of that, I felt so free. I did not have a phone in my hand. And even just that physical sensation, I didn't have that for two weeks. I did not have anything in my hand 
we would walk around to all these amazing places. Now, I was lucky because everybody else had something in their hands, so I knew I would get good pictures. <laughs> so you were going to get the pictures. You and just didn't have to spend your time taking Exactly. And we had a photographer on the trip for most of the trip, so a professional photographer. So she was taking pictures. That was part of the trip and, and sent us a beautiful portfolio of pictures. Um, so I was really able to be free and that was, I mean, how, when's the last time you've walked around without a phone for two weeks? I, I, I don't know that it'll ever happen again. It was wonderful. And I just was able, you know, you'd get off the bus and I wouldn't have to take anything. I mean, I didn't have to remember my phone and it was just the way I was available to what I was doing and to interacting was just different. And then at night in my room, you know, I was just there reading or sitting on my porch and listening. There are a lot of night noises there. Um, it's a jungle. Um, and just just enjoying after meals. You know, everybody finishes eating and then they pick up their phones. And I'm just kind of hanging out thinking of when I'm going to have my next massage. I mean, it was it was nice. Um and it really brought home how tied we are to the phones. It's it's a necessity, and we all have to decide how we're going to deal with this. But it was really wonderful. Because I think that's one of the things many of us miss. We're working so hard to record the mm-hmm. event, to take the pictures of the people and the places, and then to hurry up and post it mm-hmm. so that everybody we know or some we don't know, are, are going to be able to share in this, that we are not a part of it. Yeah, and that's that's just the truth. You know, we are doing that. It's, it's, it's human nature to want to do that. I was wanting to do that, you know, initially with the blog, and I was going to have all these amazing Vietnam Instagram posts and quotes, and and that was removed. And so... I was able to really let go and be in the experience of the moment. And sometimes I was bored, and, you know, that was okay. But I got to be with myself, and um, I had forgotten that feeling. It was really nice. I mean, of course, as soon as I got home, I had a new phone the next day, and I have my phone sitting right here in front of me, so it's not like I'm changed forever. But... That was a that was an unexpected gift of the journey. I think um, the the reminder of what feelings feels like mm-hmm. is so crucial for a therapist who's been working with feelings for a long time mm-hmm. to help. Because you know we're always constantly reminding our patients to sit with those feelings, and that boredom is a regular normal feeling, and you don't have to medicate boredom. But we kind of forget what the feeling of boredom feels like until an experience like you just had. Yeah, because we'll, if we're bored, what do you do? You grab your phone. Reach for your phone. Now reach I, for a channel changer. Right. Reach for that second helping of ice cream after dinner. Whatever it is, you know, we reach. And that, again, take like your, to your point, take that all the way back to addiction. It's learning to tolerate what feels intolerable or even just uncomfortable or unpleasant. So... Getting to experience that ourselves and, and practice that is very helpful in being able to maintain presence, you know, in the work that we do. Um, so that was that was an interesting, that was definitely an interesting part. But and definitely so crucial with a lot of the the substances we're dealing with right mm-hmm. now. 
mm-hmm. um, for somebody just coming off of the high intensity marijuana that they have and dealing with the anxiety that goes with that when driving down the street anywhere they go there's advertisements for how they can get get some pain relief pain relief <laughs> yeah some escape yeah and and that's the other thing is there's becomes this distortion of what's painful you know what what is pain and what's actually painful and what is just boredom or discomfort or irritability um i think there's been this real distortion around that and so sitting with that sitting with it investigating it non-judgmentally you know with curiosity allows you to start to understand what some of those feelings are and sit with them a very important skill set to learn and one that is not as easy as it might Mm -hmm. sound we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to explore a little bit more of the spiritual journey of vietnam thanks for listening perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction if not you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today I have with me Alice Wellens, licensed clinical social worker with a private practice here in Atlanta. And her contact information is alicewellens.com, Alice with a Y, A-L-Y-C-E, 
W-E-L-L-O-N-S. Her phone number is 404-664-3110. And you can just Google her if you, um, if you didn't get a chance to write all that down. Uh, David Donaldson is here with me as well from the Atlanta Healing Center, and we're talking about this spiritual journey that you had uh, this summer in Vietnam. In terms of Vietnam itself, just the meaning of that, I think, to many of us here in the U.S., there are all kinds of images and remembrances and thinking about it, depending on your age, depending on your experience. Now, I grew up during the Vietnam War. I had friends that were drafted. Uh, I have friends, parents, fathers who were killed in Vietnam. I have friends that I lost in Vietnam. And so the idea, I think, for me of Vietnam may be different for someone like yourself who's much younger than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was mm-hmm. that, um, and was that a topic that mm-hmm. you talked about in terms of what is the meaning of this place, and how do you heal mm-hmm. from some of the wounds that so many people carry from the Vietnam War? I actually was struck by that, too, because I, it just didn't dawn on me when you were talking about this trip that you were in northern Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and my brain, I know they've reunified and they've done, doing, been doing all this work to heal as a nation, but my brain still had it separated. Yeah, and I'm glad you asked that because that was something that I thought about before I went. and. I tend to know kind of just enough before I go somewhere and then just like like the experience to unfold. So that's kind of, and I knew I had a really wonderful guide and travel company kind of taking care of where I was going and what I was doing. So I really just sort of wanted to show up. Mm-hmm. But um I did wonder about that, and we talked about that with our guide and we talked about that with some of the people that we met. Two-thirds of the population of Vietnam today was born after 1975. Mm. So that tells you right there what their collective memory and history is. Um, they they didn't have that experience in, mm-hmm. in their life. Um, their parents did. And so I kind of was aware of that. We were in Hanoi and North. Hanoi, um, by Tulong Bay. Um, Nin Ben and Mai Chau, and those are all northern Viet, northern, northern, eastern Vietnamese areas. Vietnam is a total jungle, so all those sort of ideas I had in my mind, and maybe footage I've seen here and there about what it looks like, that is what it looks like. I mean, it's mountainous and these massive thousands of limestone cliffs all in the mountainous areas and out in the bays. Um, the the jungle hot feeling, you know, the round bamboo hats you see them wearing out in the bright green rice paddies. That is actually with water buffalo working the fields. That is happening right now. My hotel, my in my chow, my room looked out over a, upon that setting. So 
it's very it's very much what you think. Um, we had a guide, Leo, and I cannot talk about Vietnam without talking about Leo. <laughs> Leo was in his early 30s. Um, he has three child, two or three children. He lives outside of Hanoi with his wife. And he his his refrain was, ask me anything, we're very open. Ask me anything, we're very open. And, of course, you know, one of the things we wanted to ask was, how do you all feel about Americans? How do you feel about the, the Vietnam War? And his his perspective, and I know there are many, many perspectives, was um, you all didn't want to be in the war. We didn't want to be in the war. Both our countries put us in this war. We did. Everybody did what they had to do. It was awful. And and he said, but we are forward thinking. We don't live in the past, which is very much a Buddhist belief is, you know, the present and forward. And he said his parents don't ask about his parents. And he said they don't hold any of that. Um, their history is much more focused around Ho Chi Minh. And the communism, the time when France owned them and communism came in and and how that was a, the darkest time in sort of his and his parents' lifetimes. The Vietnam War for him was not a big thing like I think it is when we think about it. Um, the Ho Chi Minh time, that was his focus and how the whole entire country was starved and um, dying you know, by the thousands and thousands, and Ho Chi Minh came in and saved them, and they love him. I mean, they revere him. They understand it's controversial. They understand they're now communist, but they have been owned and taken over and colonized and, you know, for centuries. They're used to that. Um, so... Their attitude was that was the past. This is the future. We're moving forward. And so I asked him, what do you see? We had a street food tour, and our tour guide was probably in his late 20s, early 30s. His Instagram name is Vietnamese God. And he was this young guy, he's cute and fit and into it. And he said, I said, what do you sit around when you talk about, when you talk with your friends? He said, we talk about what we're eating, where we're traveling, and what we're doing next. We do not talk about the past. He said the past is the past. So that's very much how they see it. Um, so when you think about that, uh, as I was reflecting while you were speaking, that is one of the things that we're not telling our patients, forget the past, there's nothing to be learned there, because that is not true. Mm -hmm. But when you're trying to heal guilt and shame when you're trying to have a new life have a new way of thinking a new way of living separate from yourself active in the disease of addiction separate from the drugs the behaviors the alcohol the um, the horrible slavery that you find yourself in when you're active in the disease of addiction in some ways it is that process mm -hmm. I, Am I? I thought about that too, Susan. When we were at um, the Conf Confucius, is a you know the the centuries old wisdom sage, and he was Chinese. And as you know, Vietnam was 
owned by the Chinese a million times for many centuries, and, you know, they're so close geographically. They're always trying to take them over, especially in North Vietnam. They were always pushing them back. But for a, for a long time, um, they were Chinese-ruled, and so Confucius was at tr- actually Chinese. And so we went to, um, you know, the sort of his um, school and saw that history, and the guide there... Leo said, "You know, the the Ch- we were ruled by the Chinese. Confucius was Chinese. We took what was helpful from them and from him, and we left the rest." And I thought that's exactly right. I mean, you hear that in AA all the time. Right. Take what you need, leave the rest. Take what you need, leave the rest. But they're so at ease with how they have worked with the past. Um, or they appeared to be. You know, I know I only knew them in that way for a short amount of time. But I think it's the centuries of Buddhism, you know, that sense of the the four noble truths of Buddhism. Um, the first two are there is suffering. It's going to happen. And the second one is it's our it's our gripping and our stories and our attachment to the suffering that causes more suffering. More suffering. You know, it's not the first arrow, it's the second arrow. And they use that example a lot in Dharma talks. And so they've kind of figured out a way to not have that second arrow continue to inflict damage. Um, They are a people so full of light and kindness and strength. You know, they very much, they want to share with you their food, their culture, their ideas, but they're not pushed over by you. They... If you want to share this with them, they'll share it with you. But they're not going to, you know, they don't, you don't get the sense that they're um, weak or um, subservient. They're very, very much engaged in what they're doing. And Wi-Fi is their lifeblood. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> to lighten this up a, a little bit, if when we were in Hanoi, if you went into a coffee shop or a restaurant or anywhere in between, they handed you the Wi-Fi code with the menu. And our street food tour guide said that if a, an establishment does not have Wi-Fi, locals won't even go. They won't even patron it. It's just it's a known thing. Nobody goes. It's Wi-Fi everywhere. And everybody has an iPhone in their hands. Except me. <laughs> Except you. Everybody there had an iPhone. We were in some remote village areas. We were um, on a boat in Bai Tulong Bay, and we took a boat off the boat and did a tour to these on these fishing villages. And the people in the fishing villages were on their iPhones on YouTube. Mm-hmm. YouTube is also the big thing. So, I mean, you got to love YouTube. <laughs> you can learn absolutely anything you need to on YouTube. <laughs> So they're very much, you know, they every home and every establishment also had an altar. Um, I, we can talk more about that in the next segment, the role of that in their lives. But they all had these altars, and they um, pray to the altar. They give thanks at the altar. Um, it's very much woven into the fabric of their life and how they think about what's happening to them in their life. And they're very much in love with their iPhones and their Wi-Fi. <laughs> The past and the future integrating together. Integrate. So not the um, totally water buffalo (laughs) and uh, wading through the rice paddies. Um, They still have their iPhone. They Mm -hmm. still have their Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's it's kind of a visually, it's visually interesting to see both of those things happening. The at, juxtaposition. Yeah, we, you'll, they're, they are literally out there working the rice fields. Um, and then they leave and they'll be on their bike, literally on their bicycle, riding through the rice paddy home on their iPhone. So there you have it. Just here. like here. Just like here. <laughs> We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this journey. Thanks for listening. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and with me today in studio is Alice Wellens. Oh, she has her own private practice. Uh, you can find her information on the web at www.alicewellens.com, and you can phone her at 404-664-3110, 404-664-3110. And remember, Alice is spelled with a Y. We were talking right um, before you left about the meaning of of Vietnam and about the integration of New World, the iPhones and YouTube, and the integration of their own um, spirituality, Mm -hmm. that it's part of their life, with Mm -hmm. the um, the altars being right there in the midst of, of the city, in the midst of the town, in everyone's homes, and and. Businesses, yeah, everywhere. That's the way I found it. Certainly, to be in um, in Thailand as well. This uh, very close integration of 
their spirituality literally within everything they do. Yeah, the entire country smells like incense. You know, it's <laughs> it's just the universal smell of the country. Yeah. Um, and I want to just say one of the highlights of the trip with the integration of spirituality and Vietnam and my own personal journey and the practice was uh, almost in the middle of the trip we were in Ninh Binh and we went and spent a day going to this monastery of uh, Quan Am or Quan Yin and in Asia and in those cultures um, she's she's the predominant um, uh, sort of figure um, you think of Buddha a lot, and there there certainly was a lot of Buddha, but Quan Am is something we don't hear about much, and she's their main she's their main girl. Um, and so the main thing with Quan Am is um, she uh, is the Bodhisattva of compassion, and she hears the cries of the world, and so the Vietnamese make a pilgrimage up to Quan Am every year and when you when you pray and when you meditate in Vietnam you're asking for things and you're also giving gratitude towards things so as leo described it you know if you if you are having trouble at work you go to the altar if you're grateful that you got a raise or had a new baby you go to the altar everything goes to the altar. It's just an integrated part in their life. And Quan Am is one of the main figures. And so we went to the temple of Quan Am and we had a um, female monk, Buddhist monk, um, take us up this mountain. And at each of these stone, ancient carved steps up these mountains, and you know, it's so hot. I mean, it's you just, I cannot describe the heat and the incense and the dogs and this lovely monk. And I'll post a picture of her on my social media tomorrow so you can see her. Um, you know, the shaved head and the robes. And she's lived there since she was a child and at the Temple of Quan Am. And um, so each layer of the climb has a different pagoda, and it means a different thing. And we finally reach the top, and it's the, the pagoda of Quan Am, who hears the cries of her people, the bodhisattva of compassion, the beloved Quan Am of Vietnam. You know, it's sort of the pinnacle of, of everything that that country is about and spirituality of our trip. And so we go into this really small pagoda, and there are 13 of us in her, and we could barely fit in. And we spend, you know, probably 30 or 40 minutes with her singing and meditating and playing these, um, you know, kind of rudimentary instruments and the rhythmic nature of these ancient prayers and beating this drum and the heat and the climb up to the top of Quan Am and the whole thing just comes together in this in this moment of sensory peak and you know we're all like crying at this point you don't really know why you're just you're just in the moment and it was the most beautiful moment of the trip and, you know, we 
and she turned around and she said, this could go on for a really long time. How, how long do we want to sit in here? You know, so <laughs> we'd all had this moment. We were in this spiritual ecstasy where half of us are just crying. And, and you know, she turned around and she's like, is that good? <laughs> you know, <laughs> are, we of, done are we done? You know, like this could we do this for days? How long do you want to do this? And so, you know, we, we kind of dispersed and ended and took pictures and we, we made our way down and we made our way back to our bicycles and biked through the village and the goats and the people and literally, you know, these rice paddies home. And that's what you take back with you as a therapist and as somebody who works with addiction is those moments are inside you now. And when you're in the midst of intensity or suffering or your own personal process of some sort, you have these places inside that you can go, these reservoirs, these touchstones, these moments that are sustaining and meaningful and nourishing. And that's one for me. And so it creates this expanse inside of me now that I hope increases my presence in the room and in my work and in my life and with myself and my own journey. And it also reminds me that we are all the same. You know, we across cultures and heat levels and, you know, clothes and food and language We are all the same. We all wake up every morning and we hope to find something that provides meaning and sustenance for us throughout the day. And we have good days and bad days. Or as one of my friend's communications teacher in college said, we have good decades and bad decades sometimes. But we, there are these moments that we hold on to that sustain us. And we are all much more the same than we are different. And that was a big takeaway. And I think that regardless of your ethnic background or your religious beliefs, Mm -hmm. uh, the beauty is if you will be open Mm -hmm. to these kinds of experiences. It doesn't mean that you have to convert to Buddhism. It doesn't mean that you have to be a follower of Confucius to be able to embrace Take what you need and leave the rest, as again, as we say in in 12-step meetings, the idea that if you open yourself up to experiences, if you be in the present, the gift that is the present, I love the way those words have many meanings, Mm -hmm. um, but the being present is a gift, Mm -hmm. and that being available to what's happening around you, what's happening inside you, allows you to then fill up these reservoirs that you need when times are lean and when emotions are exhausted and when answers aren't coming, Mm -hmm. to be able to have filled up those reservoirs with experiences. Again, it doesn't mean that you forsake your your own traditions or your own background, but you can embrace um, the truth and beauty in in all all cultures because we really are the same, and it's a beautiful thing. Right, and and find it what find what's meaningful to you in your in your seeking, you know, and the meaning whether it's watching your children grow, you know, nourishing a deep love, your own religious or spiritual path that's your own, your home group, um, whatever it is that 
that provides that meaning to you, you know, to be present to it um, and to give to it and be nourished from it. Um, and that's, you know, when it all melts down, like that's, that's really what nourishes people. So I love the way she kind of, um, in her way, reminded everybody about the world of boundaries. Yeah. Say, okay, we can be here all day if you want, <laughs> or we can stop now. <laughs> and I also love that, that there was humor because it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a, it, an intense buildup, you know, uh, up and up. And, and you're in it and, and, and you're really just sort of peeking. And then she just sort of turned around and just in this very funny, you know, not so serious, nonchalant way. Um, she, she didn't speak English, but our interpreter told us that's what she said. And I loved that because I am drawn to, to teachers and mentors and spiritual teachers who have a little twinkle in their eye and are funny, you know. So I like that too. Well, and so often there'll be an experience, and we hang on to wanting to hang on to the yeah. experience and end up losing. Right. And for her to just like, okay, fine. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. We're done now. <laughs> yeah. This could go on all day. So was that so, good? And, you know, we're all like crying. And <laughs> and let's, let's wind it up. And yeah. sometimes that's the way a therapy session has right. to end. And that's the way a meeting has to end. And that's the way an epic of your life has to end and that's the way our show has to end i can't believe we're (laughs) over thank you all for listening thank you for being with us thank you david and we will see you all next week on detailing addiction perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction if not you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and Medical Director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.